You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, your home for news, views, security stories, technology, and all sorts of other related chit-chat that catches our attention. Hello listeners and welcome to this week's edition and we are recording on Halloween. Ooh, ooh, but uh yep, uh clocks have changed here in the UK so you know now it's dark by about half past 4. Lovely first day of autumn as I like to think of it. It's not officially the first day of autumn, but when the clocks change that's when I think of it as being autumn. So there we are. Uh well, here I we are. Mine, my nan used to call my nan used to call them the dark days before Christmas. <laughs> it's probably about right. Yes, it is. You know, and yeah. I don't know about you, Nick, but here today uh, it was blowing a gale and tipping down with rain most of the day. It's um... oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it's uh, the weather. What the weather is coming out in sympathy with COP twenty six. That's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> Just well. to prove. Just to prove, yeah, it, yeah. yeah absolutely. Here it absolutely threw it down first thing this morning, and then we had some sunshine this afternoon. Well, no, no, uh, here it's to, been just to throw in there, tipping it down most of the days. Finally stopped about I don't know four four o'clock, I think. It finally stopped raining. Oh right, and uh, the wind dropped a bit. A bit luckier here, I think, but yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, we've had uh, what there's flooding in Cockermouth and uh, Dumfries and uh, oh yeah, so a bridge, a bridge on the. Uh, Main line of the railway was partially, I don't know, destabilised at least by floodwaters. It's uh, trains are suspended, so uh, people at COP26 oh, are stuck. All sorts of, you know, you're right, yeah. Maybe it's just, you know, deliberate here. Just to <laughs> reinforce the yes. fact you need to do something. Pay attention. Uh, so, um, as you can hear, Nick is here. Nick is here. <laughs> Nobody else just yes, this I week. am. I am. Yes, right. Nick is indeed here. <laughs> um, there we are. So, uh, story-wise, obviously, big story of the week. Uh, Apple made all the money again. Show me the money. Show me the money. Um, record quarter. Um, record fourth quarter. Uh, what did we get here? Uh. So iPhone, iPhone, forty-seven percent. Is that falling a little? Just a, a fraction. Might have done. Uh, let me um, see. Services, twenty-two percent. So almost a quarter of their income now, their yes. revenue rather, is is uh, is services alone. Wow. Um. Yep. Wearables and Mac now eleven percent each, which is a huge growth, I believe, for the Mac. iPad ten. Um. No, these these are good numbers. Good numbers. iPhone, yeah, I think it yeah. might have fallen a touch. I mean, I, but then again, uh, there was a point where iPhone was like 66% of Apple's income. Which, oh, yeah. You know. Yeah. And it, I mean, definitely fallen. But that was their plan, wasn't it, with with, the, with increasing the services, is that it would actually take up the slack on the iPhone. Yeah. Because it was reaching market saturation. So uh, that makes sense. But yeah, the Mac's good, but then I suppose we sort of expect that really because of all the M1 Mac. Well, the, the original M1 Macs anyway. Yes. That's bound to have uh, bolstered their uh, their share. Yep. Um, and the biggest uh, fourth quarter, 
um, because quarter four is not necessarily the best quarter. Um, 9.2 billion. Goodness gracious me. These oh, figures are mind-boggling. Um, there we go. What's it say here? The previous two fiscal fourth quarters showed low growth over the previous year. A 29 per, uh, 29% increase in revenue year on year is very impressive. Hmm. iPhone sales. Lots of graphs. Yeah, up 47%. Lots of graphs on six colours if anyone yes. wants to see it. In oh, the best sorry. place to yeah. go. If you want a breakdown of it, um, go and look at six colours because... Um, Jason Snell. Link in the show notes. Yes, link in the show notes. He always puts lots and lots of explanatory graphs and descriptions. And of course, look out for um, Bart Bouchotts and his Let's Talk Al- uh, Apple because no doubt um, he will have uh, a lot to say about that. He'll probably have. Uh, oh, yeah. So uh, quarter four, to- total Apple profit, 20.6 billion. Yeah, dear, dear. Mm. there we are. And uh, despite that, of course, shares went down about 4% uh, after that announcement uh, because analysts were all moaning it wasn't good enough and it didn't meet their expectations, which <laughs> just strikes me as getting greedy, doesn't it? That's just like, oh, you know. It, I Apple just find just... it absolutely amazing. That, I find it amazing that the share, the, the market responds to Apple not achieving what the analyst guessed they would make. Because that's what it's about. Well, <laughs> well, it's partly that, but it's also partly, actually, if you have a, a record revenue, uh, uh, what's her name, who goes on Bart's show and always says, you know, shares go on expectation, not results. So the better you yes. do, yeah. the more people fear you can't do any better and then sell. So... Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, I that, can't remember. I can't remember a name either. No. Hopeless, the both of us. Both of us. Yes, yeah, shocking. Absolutely shocking. <laughs> um, so we won't go into that. Uh, and I've got also a link to Mac Rumors. Uh, Apple reports all-time quarterly revenue. Uh, with strong demand for M1 MacBook Air. No surprise there. Um, and uh, talking about MacBook Airs. Uh, I was telling Nick before the show, um, colleague, or an ex-colleague and friend of mine, uh, said to me the other day, I, I really need to replace my very ageing um, iMac, which is very ageing. It's a, a last-generation G5 iMac, so that's how old it is. Um, and my iPad is getting long in the tooth, and I believe that's a iPad 2. Not an Air 2, an iPad 2, the first thin one. Um, And he said, I've got about a £2,000 budget, and what do you think I should look at? I'm considering, you know, a laptop. And without no hesitation at all, I said, get an M1 MacBook Air, because, it, you know, it will do everything you need. So uh, we talked about it a bit, and he said, are there any other new ones on the horizon? And I said, well, the, the MacBook Pros have just been released with, you know, even bigger, fatter, faster chips. And he said, uh, you know, why why should I not bother with one of those? And I said, because it's more power than you're ever going to need, and you're just going to spend another £600 for nothing. If, you know, if, will achieve nothing for you whatsoever. So, yeah. um, and I pointed him to the refurb store, and about two days ago, he sent me a text saying, this is arriving tomorrow, uh, and he's bought an M1 MacBook Air 16 gig RAM slash one terabyte SSD, uh, which is a bigger SSD than the, the one I bought on launch, and he's paid 1300 and change 
in US oh, uh, UK good. Sterling. So he saved about uh well actually I say three hundred quid, probably more than that. Um Yeah. That's excellent. It's weird, isn't it? Because at the moment we're in this we're at this point where it is actually easy to. I mean, back in the day, if someone said which one should I buy, it's actually quite hard to. You know, you have to assess what it is they want to do and whatever. But where we are now, the M1, the original M1s were so powerful for the average user that you know, for the average person, you're going to say, yeah, get that one. Yeah, <laughs> there is no question, really. Yeah, don't spend no. two and a half to three and a half you know, thousand. Two, three. Because there's no need to. Just there's get this no one. need. I said, just buy that one. Get a six. Get the sixteen gig one. Um, and get it from the refurb store. So, um, yeah, at, at that price, he's got an absolute steal. Um, yeah, very good. So, yeah, that was. Um, you know, he's very pleased, obviously. Um, and he saved a good chunk of pennies and bought an absolutely fabulous machine. Um, I did. Yeah, I did... I've, ne- I've never actually bought anything from the refurb store, but everyone who has says, you know, this, you might as well do it if you can. If you it, can. You will save money. I mean, yeah. I can't remember how long it was before M1 MacBook Air started appearing in the in the refurb store. You know, it usually takes a couple of months after launch yeah and i think i think you have to you have to keep an eye on it don't you it's not like there's all there's millions of them in there but you keep an eye on it and you have to keep an eye when on one it. pops up and by the yeah. way i think i'll dig the link out and put it in the show notes because as he said to me wow that's not easy to find is it they don't exactly put the re they used to have if you went to the you know buy a mac kind yeah, of page, a link off the main page pretty much there used to be yeah. a thing saying refurb i said to him no they, they hide it now they i always search it to find it i always type in you know apple back refurb store yes. into duck duck go and take that link because it, it's not easy to find they don't but yeah the machine you know pretty much the machine i recommended he get uh popped up immediately and it, it was like oh i've got one here for 1300 it's like buy it buy it now buy that <laughs> buy that one especially with a one terabyte ssd and um he texted me yeah actually earlier today because uh he wanted to get all the data off his g5 and uh, like what's the best way to do it and i thought well i'm not sure about trying to do migration assistant or whatever that's going to probably be difficult from lion i think he's running lion maybe mountain lion yeah Um, you could run into incompatibilities you're going to run into all sorts of problems there um so i said you know just use a drive plug a drive in um you know manually shove your data onto the drive and and then plug it into the macbook so um He's got a Samsung T5 external SSD, I think it is, which he... Well, that's quite a fast... I think that's quite a fast uh, SSD as well. It is. It's a fast SSD, and he bought it, I think, originally with the intention of using it as extended storage for his PS5. But I don't think he's actually got oh, round right. to... I don't think he's actually got round to doing that yet, because you have to format it specially for the PS. But anyway, yeah. so yeah. he plugged that in and obviously manually shoved all his photos and whatever else he wanted onto it. And he didn't actually tell me how long that took, but obviously you're talking about USB 2 from a spinning hard drive. Um, and as you said, all those little ants pushing yeah. the bits and bytes along. Um, and I, <laughs> I, I mean, he told me he moved 30 gigabytes of data, which is, you know, not massive by modern a standards. Re- but a reasonable chunk. But a reasonable yeah. chunk. Um, and I'm guessing that took a fair while to copy onto the SSD. Um so obviously he plugged it into his MacBook Air 
and went, you know, drag onto the uh, internal SSD and he texted me saying, Yowza, it only took four minutes to copy that 30 gigabytes of data <laughs> onto, the, onto the laptop. Like, yeah, those ports is fast. <laughs> a lot faster than, you, yeah. you know, bet, USB 2. I bet he'll notice drive. a big difference with... I bet he'll notice a big difference with uh, uh, software launch as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mac. Yes, he's going to. Yeah, one uh, bounce or no bounces at all. No bounces <laughs> at all. He's, yes. I mean, I thought I made a big jump coming from a 2013, you know, MacBook Pro. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a quantum leap for him. Uh so, you know, he asked me a couple of things like, what, you know, what do you recommend I buy? And I said, well, I, I should get a couple of short USB-C to USB-A connectors um, for any peripherals yeah. you've got. Get a, And he texted me today saying, I think I might need to get a hub. So I said to him, well, you can get the ones that clip on the side and use both your USB-C or you can get ones on a wire, take your pick. Uh, depends. I guess that depends yeah. whether he's going to use it on a desk or on his lap. If you're going to use it on your lap, you probably want yes. one that clips on the side. And if you're going to use it um, on a desk, one on a wire will be fine. But um, that I shall leave to him. But uh, there we go. So cool. That's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, the biggest, the biggest speed change that I can remember, and the one that shocked me most, um, was probably going from tape to a floppy disk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, first, the first program I saved, and of course the the, the floppy disk just sort of went. Bruh. Yeah, uh-uh. <laughs> I thought, oh, it's broken. There's something <laughs> wrong with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I checked on the floppy disk, and there was the file. I thought, oh wow, wow, well, it's done. Oh, my Having God. sat, for, you know, for twenty minutes loading the program originally. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Off a of, of a tape, off a cassette. Oh dear! But any of those, any of those jumps in in speed, processor speed was always so exciting. Yes, definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, talk, talking of USB hubs, as it happens, uh, USB hub not working with Mac OS Monterey. You're not alone. This was um, iMore. Um, apparently, some users are reporting issues with using USB hubs and USB devices after upgrading to Mac OS Monterey, which is um, not great. Um, no, this is uh, this has made me a little bit... Because I've got two... I think we talked about my USB hubs before, and um, we've put them on the show. Um, yes. And I've got one here and one down at church, and they're both the same. So uh, it makes me a little bit wary about upgrading. I might do here, because I don't think this one matters so much, but the one down at church has important stuff hanging off it which i can't afford to lose so maybe i'll test this one first and if that works okay then i'll yeah, that then i'll upgrade the one down at church or or just hold on um for a short yeah while. i might yeah I, I noticed you said there were a number of beaters that had come uh, down all, today all, so. um uh, day or yesterday i can't remember all new beaters uh 12.1 already is gone to beta so that won't be far behind um 15.2 ios 15.2 apple watch 8.3 i think so um they've all gone into i think first betas but you might want to hold on to probably good so i might do yeah hold on maybe wait a month or two yeah 
you know, I shouldn't think it would take long. Um, yeah, you know, sounds like it's probably a software bug. Um, it says here, report note, uh, report notes users are experiencing issues with both Intel and devices such as the 13-inch MacBook Pro with M1. So this is likely a software. Oh, okay. So that does sound, yeah, it does sound Sounds like more software, like it's a software it? issue. Um, I've not had any issues, but I don't use hubs and I only use a couple of USB devices at that. So um, I'm not really the person to ask. Um, so, yeah, I guess if you rely on a hub like Nick um, and you're a bit worried, maybe don't jump straight into Monterey um, until you've tested it somehow, maybe. Yeah. Um, it's always good, always good advice anyway, isn't it? To just yeah, hang off a little bit. Yes, let people so... let people work out the uh, initial bugs. And... Yeah, let loons like me, you know, yeah. take the hit. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're here. Uh, crazy people like me. Yeah, uh, that's why we're here. Well, the thing is, when you go when you go from I don't know, if, I'm not sure how many beta users there are, but say you go for a few hundred thousand up to you know eight billion. Yeah, exactly. There's bound to be a few more issues found. There's always more edge cases. And, yeah, you know, I'm not, you know, and I'm not going to be sneery here, but, for example, USB hubs, there are a million USB hubs you can buy. You know, they're 10 10 a penny. There's a, I'm not going to try and generalise here, but I would suggest there is a good chance that very many beta testers, um, if they use hubs, have, I don't know, Anchor or Sateki or... Yeah, what are the better-owned names? You know, OWC or something. When you release it to the general public, um, you're going to come up against the people who are using USB hubs. Yeah, Joe Bloggs Bloggs homemade USB device. (laughs) Well, yeah, or all these, you know, endless ones. I mean, let's face it, uh, as I said, I was talking to my friend about it. I was looking on Amazon. And, you know, USB-C expansion hubs come in sort of three to one up to about 11 to one or four to two for the clip-on ones on the whole, you know, so because they use both of your ports. But they start from about a fiver. As we've found, (laughs) yeah, we've found out before, haven't we, that not, not, not not all hubs are made equal. Exactly. Um, so some yeah, some some companies may not support all the um I'm not sure APIs is the right term but all all, all the features of uh, of every other USB hub so yeah. uh, it might be that that particular hub has a, a feature that isn't supported or or you need a feature that isn't supported by that hub so yeah yeah just be careful it'll probably as you say it'll be fixed in due course so yep without no. a doubt it will no doubt um it will no doubt get resolved ASAP. Um what other Mac news? Oh, uh this one's quite amusing because of course everybody started talking um about the cleaning cloth, the polishing cloth, the nineteen dollar <laughs> Apple uh polishing cloth. So in a, a slight uh, you know, somewhat tongue in cheek report, I fix it have done a teardown of the $19 polishing cloth and have confirmed that it uh, is a repairability disgrace with a repair value of zero, which was <laughs> amused me, amused me nonetheless. Um, <laughs> yes. But, uh, you know, before you need to worry about that, you need to worry about getting one because apparently Apple's worst shipping delay is the $19 polishing cloth, um, back ordered till about January, apparently, if you want to buy one. According to, oh no! Yeah, 
It's, you know, it's a massive seller. Despite everybody That's the end of it, my world. Everybody I can't get it. a polishing cloth. Yeah. Um, several, uh, cool. several podcasters I've listened to, like ATP and Apple Insider, some of those have got one. Um, I assume by ordering it when they ordered their MacBook Pro, therefore it got shipped immediately. Um, yeah. They describe it as like um, a faux suede. Slightly fuzzier on one side than the other, which I suspect means it's a bit of like a synthetic chamois cloth, you know, a synthetic chamois yes. leather. Um, it's got rounded corners. It's uh, a sort of MacBook chamfered, silver grey. Chamfered, ed- chamfered ed- edges as well. <laughs> oh, I don't know about chamfered edges. It's got the um, <laughs> it, it's have. got the Apple logo <laughs> die stamped into one corner. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's apparently rather like suede. So um, yeah. I'm sure I'm it's just a cloth, people. Yes, it's, it's a microfiber cloth. cloth. Um, it's you know a heavy duty microfiber cloth. Uh, but you know I'm sure it's very nice. Um, I I got one. I can't remember what I got it with. I got one with a screen of some sort, and it was a really good size. The thing I always hated about all those cloths is they always felt too small for me. No matter which. No matter what they provided them for, but I remember buying, getting one with some device, one screen that I bought at some time. Um, let me think. Which had a really big cloth, you know, about the size of your hand. It was wonderful. You used to get one. You used to get one with the MacBooks at one point. You used to get a small, a fairly small black one, but that was more right. like uh, that was more like a glasses polishing. You know, the one you get in your glasses case. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Slightly bigger than that, and probably a bit better quality. But that... yeah, I can't remember what I got it with now. But it, I, I remember looking at it and thinking, "Now that's a cloth. That's a proper yeah, cloth." Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's you know, if you're going to clean the screen, you want a decent sized cloth, don't you? Yeah, you do. Especially um, this wide screen I've got. I mean, huge thing. I I did. I got a, a small black one. I'm sure it came with one of my MacBook, and it was um, yeah, it was sort of. Not very big. I was not that impressed with it, actually. Um, used to get yeah, one with the... as I say, sometimes I feel they're just a bit undersized for when you, especially if you're going to be cleaning screens with mm. them. Um, I'm one of these people who buys paper towels for the kitchen and goes for those, you know, humongous ones that you can buy. Yeah, <laughs> simply yes. because when mop, try to, try to mop up a spill with a you know a, a tissue that just disintegrates on you isn't much fun. No, um, I've not got one, but if anybody, you know, is desperate for a, a, a microfiber, you know, polishing cloth, um, go over to the Cult of Mac because Earthon sells cult cloth, which is, a, you know, his own patented multi Fair enough. crushed microfiber cloths, which he no doubt will sell you cheaper than $20. <laughs> yeah, I always seem to lose microfiber cloths. I don't know where they disappear to. I think they're a little bit like biros, you know, in the Hitchhiker's Guide, where they, mm. they go and slip through small wormholes in space and go and live go and live their own lives elsewhere. I tend yeah. to find them at the bottom of boxes and things. And... Well, very, they tend to be very <laughs> quite slippery, don't they, quite often? Yeah. yeah. So there we go. Um, moving on a little bit from that. Former Mac chief and Windows head both stressed the vast scale of Apple's lead over Intel in silicon. This was on 9to5Mac. Um, and they're referring, of course, to Jean-Louis Gasset and Stephen Zinofsky, who are both well-known. Obviously, Jean-Louis you know, ex of Apple, and um, Stephen Sinofsky 
ex of Windows and Microsoft Office, uh, very well known. Um, I follow him on Twitter, you know, very, uh, obviously he knows exactly what he's talking about. And uh, despite the fact that a lot of people seem to think that somehow he should be, you know, heavily Intel and Windows biased, he's not at all. He's just interested in technology because that's been his career. Um, He writes quite a good blog called Hardcore Software, uh, where he's kind of writing a memoir of his time at, uh, you know, as head of Windows and Microsoft Office, where he talks about um, why they made certain decisions and some things they did wrong and and so on. Um, Both uh, he and um, John Louis have uh, both written pieces saying how the M1 series is a quantum leap forward and how it is a you know a massive threat to yeah. intel effectively um and that intel have yeah, a huge, uh, huge one step of the, to catch up one of the one of the quotes is quite telling it says uh, when you look at the m1 pro and m1 max today it's tempting to think that of this in terms of performance but performance per watt and integrated graphics and integrated memory and integrated application processes is innovation in an entirely different direction, which I hadn't really thought about before, but he's right, isn't he? Well, uh, before the show, I said to you I'd listened to a podcast, and I can't remember which one it was because I listened to quite a lot, where they'd benchmarked the M1 Max, uh, probably the fully specced out one, of course, 64 gig of RAM and yeah. um, all the cores, 32 cores of GPU or whatever it was. And um, they said it basically matched some uh, top-of-the-range graphics card. I forget which one it was, um, but sort of, you know, with a huge, long-numbered name, which will set you back about six grand uh, in US dollars. And... uh, Basically, the M1 yeah, Max was, and they said, "Oh, and by the way, the uh, this video card draws about—I forget what it was, like 150 watts of power or something—and generates massive amounts of heat. So, um, not not really a, your average desktop machine graphics card, obviously. But uh, they were just saying that's insane, you know, insane levels of yeah. performance. And the yeah, the the well, big thing. As is... I said before, as I said before, the show starts. I mean, it just gives them that overhead, doesn't it? If 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 they're if they're getting all this power without ramping up the heat to a point where it becomes a problem, that is, and they've still got overhead to make it go even faster and even more powerful. Well, you know, and the other thing, a bit like the you know the M1 machines, obviously the the MacBook Air that I've got has no fan and is apparently can at full stretch get slightly thermal throttling yeah um but, people... but i mean you, you can't hear the mac mini, you can't hear the mac mini fan either I no. mean, it has a fan but you can't hear it um <laughs> i've never heard it spin up no unlike it, the intel ones it, it's either not spinning at all you know you're not stretching it enough to get it spinning or yes. it's it's so quiet you can't hear it um one of the again one of the podcasters i listened to who you know got his hands on a one of the new uh macbook pros said i've yet to hear the fan been up and it uh, apparently the machine it's replaced uh i think it was a 16 inch macbook pro you know intel he said not only were the fans on that always on and fairly loud but he had an external gpu plugged into it which also had fans that made a noise (laughs) 
yeah. and he said uh, well, first, I said, quite I think, disconcerting. I think I've said, <laughs> I think I've said it, it, it is a little bit, yeah. I mean, what we said, uh, I think I've said before that um, the M1 Mac Mini uh, at church gets warm, and the reason it gets warm is because I've got the hub sitting on top of it, and it's mm. the hub that gets warm, not the Mac, M1 Mac Mini. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I've just put my hand on top of this M1 Mac Mini, and it's the the case is not warm. I mean, it's still cold. Yeah, so, same uh, same with my you know same with my my MacBook Air here. There's a slight yeah. warmth on the on the. It's uh, remarkable, isn't it? Rest, I mean, we've is... grown so used to uh, so used to hot processors. That, yes. Uh, yeah, and that that again is a huge step forward. It doesn't sound like much saying. Oh, it doesn't. It runs in very low power and. Because to the average user, that doesn't mean an awful lot, does it? But it's it's the it's that overhead. It's the, it's the fact that you know that they can make it go faster and better, and um, and you you're not worried about performance at all. It no. just does what you need it to do. Hence your uh, your wonderful recommendation to your friend. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, because you know it's all you're going to need. <laughs> it is all he's going to need, especially coming from a G5. I can assure you. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a big leap. A huge leap. A huge leap indeed. Um, and well, It's last... interesting to hear senior people saying those things, though, isn't it? It is. You know, mm. um, I think it might have been Apple. I think it was Apple Insider, actually, um, because it was uh, they. the guy who was co-hosting this week was the guy who's written their in-depth MacBook Pro right. um, review. And he's very much a hardware yeah. guy. So he was saying, oh... Um, William, the, the other co-host, said, you know, you do things I wouldn't even consider. But, for example, he measured the temperature across the laptop whilst it was doing some sort of fairly strenuous task and said which, literally which keys got the warmest and by how much. So, but he was saying, oh, it's nothing, you know, nothing. When you used to get models that, you know, like the the, the, the section between the uh, the screen and the keys often would get on the older machines very warm, you know. There we are. Uh, dear. Dear, dear. It's fascinating. And to have, you know, these two, well, industry luminaries, I would say, um, both agreeing that, you know, the M1 is a massive jump forward. It's very interesting. Um, and if you don't follow them, um, they're, they're on Twitter, both of them. If you just search their names, they'll come up. It's uh, at Gasset and at Steve SI, I believe, from memory. There we are. Um, they're very interesting. Very good. Well worth following. Um, and the last one I've got here is uh, a, a little Twitter link. Fun with the notch. Um, have you? Did you watch this one, Nick? This little... I didn't know. Um, basically, there's a guy filming his new um, MacBook Pro with the notch uh, from his iPhone, and he's pointing out that like the um, the mouse will go behind the notch if you go along the menu bar. The mouse actually disappears behind the notch. Um, but right, if you then move the mouse, you can move the mouse pointer in front of the camera. So whilst he's filming himself, this enormous pointer comes up as he moves across. He's wiggling it around on the screen. Um, if you get the pointer <laughs> in front of the camera, uh, which, you know, quite funny. Unavoidable, I suggest. Just don't put your pointer behind the notch, people. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. There's and there's been a few stories about. I haven't got any where people are saying, "Oh, look, this." You know, the menu bar items go behind the notch, or um, and they're still there. You can't see them, but you can, you know, you can click on them. That sort of thing. Those things will get tidied up in time, 
I don't think it's a big issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they'll get sorted out. Um, if you're worried about that, yeah, by the way... a bit obsessed by notches, don't we? Oh, Generally. Yeah. Really, I think it's a total non-issue, personally. Um, yes, there'll be a few glitches at first until people do something with their software. The biggest thing seems to be that the menus in most apps are aware of the notch and will jump over it. So they... Oh, right. So the your menu um, items, you know, will jump over the notch, but the menu bar mm-hmm. apps are not aware of that and will go behind the notch. Um, and as we said before, the simplest answer to that is get a, um, a menu bar app management tool. Uh, Bartender, the most famous, will set you back about $14, I think. Um, and if you don't want to buy that, I use one called Vanilla, which if you buy it is $10, but you can use it for free with some of the sort of, you know, extra features disabled. Um, if you've got, if you've got set up bartenders in setups. So. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Almost certainly get, you know, if you use set app, you should use, you know, use bartender, even if you don't have a notch, you know, if you're like me, I mean, my, <laughs> yes, my menu bar apps make it all the way to the camera. Um, but, you know, if you're going to pay, I suggest getting Bartender. It's got more features than Vanilla, and it's only about 3 or $4 more. But if you're cheapskate and you just want to be able to um, hide some of your menu bar applets, then get Vanilla for free. Um, I'll put the link in the in the show notes. Um, and that's about it for sort of Apple news. Um, I've got a link here uh, for those who are interested in these sort of things. Backblaze, are SSDs really more reliable than hard drives? Which, you know how they... Um, Backblaze have traditionally done a, uh, I don't know if it's quarterly or annual report, I can't remember. Um, Oh, quarterly, yeah. Um, Here we are. What does drive failure look like for SSDs and HDDs? Um, And they've got a whole, you know, a whole breakdown here. Um, According to this... Yeah, they're basically basically saying uh, SSDs are more reliable, but they haven't had them as long, so... <laughs> so so it's really quite hard to compare. Well as it says here at the moment right at the moment uh they've got SSD failure rate of 1% and hard disk drives annual failure rate of 6.4. So in theory as it says there you know SSDs have won by sort of a 5% margin. Um the average age of the SSD drives however is 14.2 months. And the age of the hard disk drives is 52.4. The oldest SSD drives... Yeah, the the, the oldest SSD drives we have are 33 months old, and the youngest HDD drives we have are 27 months old. So basically what they're saying is we need to um, wait a bit more to um, average that out. They've done a... Actually, yeah, do a proper comparison. Yeah. Yeah. what do they say? What's their conclusion? Oh, okay. So they they've got a lower lower down. They've got another comparison where they're comparing it with hard disks from quarter four twenty sixteen, where the figures are much closer together. So the average ages are about fourteen point two, fourteen point three months, and the failure rates are actually much closer. They're so they're one point zero five for SSDs and one point three eight for hard disks. So yeah, that's a that's a better comparison. Yes, that's but what it say, I mean, what that says is that they're, they're at that age, they're about the same reliability. So 
Yes. So what they're saying is, you know, over time, you may find that the failure rate is not actually that much different, but only time yeah. will tell. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, yeah. it's an interesting thing. And yes, basically, of course, these are they're talking about drives um, used in their storage, backup storage. So, um, yes, you know, they're under heavy, I guess, fairly heavy usage. Um, but it's always an interesting you know, their their quarterly reports are always interesting about what drives, what the failure rates are, and if some brands are better than others, and or if some models are better than others. Sometimes, um, anyway, this is a if you're interested in that, it's worth a read. Uh, I think their conclusion is it's a bit too early to tell whether SSDs are actually any more reliable than hard disk drives. You know, in that yeah. use case, not necessarily in your desktop or laptop, but um, in their server rack storage. Um, there we are. Yeah, I think uh, we just we just need to re- re- reiterate at this point that um, regardless of whether it's HDD or SDD, SSD rather, that um, that all storage fails at some point or other. Yes, <laughs> everything. So do your backups, will, folks. Everything will break eventually. Um, yep, that that's very true. Do your do your backups. Um, Facebook is going to change the company name to Meta to all sorts of hilarity everywhere. Um, why? Because has anyone said why? Well, partly because the name Facebook is horribly tainted. Um, and you have to remember this is their company name. Not that they're not going to be changing the site Facebook. They're not going to be changing the app. Yeah, on Facebook. But it's, I mean, people a, people will know. Yes, they'll, they'll just say they'll just say the 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 singer formerly known as Prince, won't they? I mean. Yeah, the company formerly known as Facebook. Um, Better formerly known as Facebook, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a similar manoeuvre to Google changing their umbrella company to Alphabet. In yeah, effect. I suppose so. Right. Yeah. Um, their explanation is that they wish to divor- divorce the name of the overall group from Facebook, the app because they control WhatsApp and Instagram and do various other services and things. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. And um, because, you know, Mr. Zuckerberg is obsessed with the metaverse. Um, if you look online, there's a, a video of him glowingly doing some sort of VR meeting with his mates, which is cringeworthy in the extreme, to be honest. <laughs> um, it's really cringy, but uh, just just search it out, and it's all about how fabulous it will be that we can all, you know, stick our glasses on and go into a fake meeting room to play cards with our mates. All um, all a bit twee. Uh, but there we go. Uh, so they're changing their name of their yeah the. The app's not going to change name. The Facebook service isn't going to change name. Uh, the company will now be known as Meta. Uh, yeah, it's all a bit Meta, really, isn't it? It is a bit Meta. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. And they're all desperately, <laughs> yes. The other explanation, of course, is they're trying to divorce their company name from the stink that surrounds the name Facebook. And it's yeah. constant, um, you know, hoovering up of people's data and, oh, we're very sorry. We didn't mean to do that. We we try not to do it again. Yeah, right. Oh, you've pulled that one a few too many times for my liking. Um, And, and this one, uh, this is not a political comment, even though it is about uh, ex-President Trump. Um, I don't know if you know, but Mr. Trump uh, has got, uh, said he's going to launch um, Truth Social. A social oh, network, his own, uh, yes, yeah. his own thing, which is going to rival Twitter and you know Facebook and all the rest, and be open to all and uncensored and all the rest of it. Um, 
However, uh, Truth Social has violated Mastodon's terms of service and Trump's entire social platform now might be DOA. Um, the, the story behind this is that um, he wants to start this social platform, allegedly, um, and they have used the open source code, which belongs to Mastodon. That's what they want to build it on. Um, Mastodon, however, have complained that their terms of service, their license might be, you know, open source, but if you use it, if you fork it and, you know, make additions or alterations to the code, you have to give those back to the repository so that they can be free to use for anybody else. And um, yeah, so far, Mr. Trump has failed to do so and uh, as such is in breach of the terms of service. Um, and apparently... No, they're lying. They're lying. It's not the truth. It's not yes, the truth. The truth news, is what Mr. Trump says, obviously. Um, <laughs> and um, uh. apparently, though, if he doesn't comply within 30 days, uh, they can be banned from using the uh, Mastodon open source code forever. Oh, let's hope so. Yes, there we go. <laughs> um, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but... Um, let's just say I'm not surprised that uh, the Trump crew have failed to comply with the terms of service. Um, what else have we got? Um, That's quite ironic, really. Yes, it'd be quite amusing if it never gets off the ground, wouldn't it? Um, Microsoft finds a new Mac OS vulnerability called Shrootless, which can bypass system integrity protection. This was on the Microsoft security blog, and uh, Dougie sent this one in to us. Um, oh. This is um, an explanation from the Microsoft 365 Defender Research term, uh, Team on the Microsoft blog, which explains what the vulnerability was, and um, basically they reported it to Apple, and it has already been fixed. Um, so, you know, this is sure a responsible uh, disclosure. Basically, they've explained explain how it works, what they did, uh, what it can do, and so on. But, uh, you know, it was disclosed to Apple and is uh, is fixed. I believe it was fixed in 1501. Um, or no, whatever. I don't know which version. Mac, Mac OS, sorry. Anyway, it's patched, which is why you've yeah. seen yeah. various things, including security patches for Big Sur being pushed out and possibly even Catalina. I'm not sure. Anyway. Uh, that's an interesting read if you like that sort of thing. It's quite a long article, unsurprisingly, because it's quite technical. Um, but that's nice to I think hear. The question I always ask about these, all the question I ask about all these kind of things is that does the person have to be sitting in front of my machine for this to work? Because if it does, I'm not really interested. Not really that worried. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, you don't have to answer that question. But if they've fixed it, that's fine. It's been fixed. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is a long article because I can't see whether it uh, requires direct access or not. Um, so that's that one. Uh, like I say, if you're interested in that sort of thing, it's a good read. A Dougie sent it in and said it's already been fixed. But it's, uh, you know, of interest if you care about that sort of things. Um, now I've got one here from Forbes, who are not always the... Know, the best of sources but this is a rather thoughtful article as i've said before forbes is odd in that they're basically a fire hose of articles they don't seem to have any kind of policy about who sends stuff in um 16th to 17th of october chinese hackers went on a rampage which saw all but three of 15 target products breached during the onslaught that was the tianfu cup which is a bit like uh you know pwn to own 
it's um, an annual right, competition yeah, yeah. Um, held in Chengdu, um, and it's apparently the go-to for China's elite hackers. Um, this talks about um, what the cup is and so on, um, and concerns that you know the Chinese government use it to get hold of exploits and so on. However, um, apparently the rules of the cup say that uh, you know responsible disclosure has to be used and it has to be reported to the vendors and so on before. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, why? Why do these Chinese hackers? Um, Hoard up vulnerabilities, as they say here, because often the prizes they can win at this cup, uh, you know, are kind of, you know, a magnitude larger than they can get by disclosing them directly to the vendors. Um, right. So, um, what do we have here? Um, iPhone 13 Pro running a fully patched at the time version of iOS 15.02 was breached twice. Um, a remote code ex- execution attack and an iOS 15 jailbreak. Um, but every everybody everybody got hacked basically. Um, yes. because they do because these people spend a whole year. <laughs> let's face it; these people spend their whole life searching for vulnerabilities and um, yeah, to, to win prizes. Um, the article obviously talks about the sort of uh, morality and ethics and is it good or bad? And um, I mean. It, in the end, I think most people would consider that on the whole, it's good as long as, you know, as long as it is using um, proper disclosure, you know, responsible disclosure. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. And that these anything people... that anything that finds finds backdoors and whatever, yes, or just just vulnerabilities, and and is then prepared to tell people about it. I mean, it's got to be a good thing, hasn't it? Yeah, here we go. Uh, as well as attacks on iOS and Safari, there were a host of other victims. Microsoft saw five successful exploits involving the Windows 10 operating system. One impacting Exchange, and Google saw. Chrome fall on the security sword twice. The other list, other people include Adobe PDF, uh, Asus AX56U Router, Docker CE, Parallels VM, uh, Cuma VM, Ubuntu 20, VMware ESXi, and Workstation were also hacked. So there you go. They they just spend all all year figuring out how to break into stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean the big question. The big question is: if they weren't doing it for a competition, would they still be doing it, or would other people be doing it? And the answer is yes, they would be. So (laughs) (laughs) it's got to be a positive if if it's being done that way. If it's being done responsibly, and I think uh, there's a mention here: cash prizes are in the order of sort of a hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, oh, how to make five million hacking Facebook and Google, according to the the sub link. Um, but there we go. So that was a, a you know a, a huge competition. Also, apparently the Chinese mm. have forbidden their hackers from uh, competing in other international competitions. So unsurprisingly, they um, they all flock to this. Um, particular cup where large money is available right. there we go uh it's worth a read it is on forbes but it's a thoughtful article and not all hysterical and you know every every iphone user at risk after chinese hack ios 15 not, <laughs> not one not one of their hysterical articles i'm glad to say um there we are uh what have we got um 
think this also came from Dougie in the Worth of Chirps. Is that rain? New tricks to try on Apple's weather app for iPhone, uh, which now has a whole load of um, extra features like, uh, you know, if it's raining or it believes it's raining, you get a you know rain on the screen, that sort of thing. It's got live radar maps and a boast of other um, oh, right. improvements. So uh, here we go. There's, there's, this is actually on PC Mag. Interestingly, um, it talks about you can view the so weather data, um, how to get live uh, maps and uh, uh, air quality um, and a host of other. You can now have multiple locations, which apparently um, Apple's weather maps didn't do before. I don't know. I don't use Apple's weather map. I use Weatherbug. But um, after looking at this, I might give it another go. Um, you yeah, can have to be certainly a lot more stuff in it. Yeah, you can have notifications to be alerted if it's snowing or raining, or you could look out of the window. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Actually, to be fair, to be fair, like my weather bug sends me notifications and it will say there is rain within 10 kilometres of you, you know, um, or lightning strike within five miles, you know, store, watch out, storms about, that sort of thing. Um, so it certainly now apparently has multiple... Um, locations. I don't know. Maybe it didn't do that before. I'm assuming it didn't. Um, so that was that. If yeah, there's nothing, the nothing, nothing worse than uh, trying to find your keys in the pouring rain and then your phone pings and you think, I better check what that is. And you get it out and it says, it's, it's raining. raining. <laughs> <laughs> did you re- did you realise it's raining? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, um, I did put this in the Slack room. I opened Apple Maps the other day for probably the first time in some time uh, to find, even in the darkest depths of Suffolk, uh, my my map now shows the buildings, um, you know, along my street as like pseudo 3D blocks. So I've got enhanced oh, maps right. even out here. So yeah, the, the the buildings are not shown as buildings like they might be in London or whatever, but they're shown as geometric 3D shape, not just yes. grey, not just grey marks on the map as they were previously. Um, right. Yes, was... I'm looking. I'm looking at mine now. Oh yeah. Yeah, you get sort of um, individual blocks for uh, quite nice. You no, know, not a huge improvement, but I've just you know they talked about enhanced maps. And I thought, well, you know, I know these things. And they start in London and Dublin and Glasgow and San Francisco and New York. And I thought, oh, it'll be years before they get round to doing it out here, you know. But I've at least got the basic enhanced map. Maybe I had it before. I don't. Mm. I do use Apple Maps, but, you know, at the moment, I don't go very many places. And when I do, they tend to be places I know. <laughs> so I don't need to look at the maps very often. Um, yeah. I. I'm not sure who sent this one in. I can't remember who sent this one in. Sorry, it might have been Donnie. Uh, Airy Pose, be your own camera person on the Apple App Store. Um, Basically, it allows you to uh, link your camera to another iPhone so that you can get somebody else to help you take the perfect Instagram shot. Um, Seems like a bit of fun, to be honest. Um, Yeah. Both phones are on the same Wi-Fi network or set connected by hotspot. See the name of the other phone. Send them a request. You can see the view from their camera on your screen. Um, has a hold to talk feature. Um, it's a sort of remote control of somebody else's camera. Um, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Nice if you've got a use. If you've got a use for it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah. a. 
interesting. It's fun. As Donny, I think it was Donny, said, not sure I'd use it, but it's kind of interesting piece of tech. Um, yeah. Might be fun if you're into doing lots of selfie-type things. Um, Jim sent this one in, which I it's not really tech at all in some respects. Uh, open Bike is an open-source wooden bicycle you can make from plywood. Um, and there are pictures of it here. Uh, Gosh, clever you know, idea. No reason why it shouldn't be made out of plywood, to be honest. Um, sure, no. we make, you know, well, I don't, you know, you get lots of um, kiddies bicycles made out of I'm not sure how comfortable it would be, but yes, I'm not sure how comfortable it would be, but. Mm, no, although I suppose if you make, if you put big fat tyres on the on the wheels. Yeah, the wheels are not wooden, yeah. by the way, people. Yeah. The wheels are not wooden. <laughs> <laughs> they suggest no. you used ordinary bicycle uh, wheels and crank and chain. Yeah, it's the frame, basically. It's the yes. frame that you're making out of... Um, uh, out no of doubt. It's a, I, I assume... Yeah. Plywood. Well, I'm not sure I'd make it out of cardboard. If for no other reason, then it would go <laughs> no. soggy in the rain. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And we get plenty of that, don't we? Uh, right. A bicycle made from plywood comes from obvious with obvious issues. If a thief wants to steal your wheels or seat, all they need is a saw. Um... <laughs> do they really think anyone would want to steal it? Mm, well, people I do, you know, if you put expensive wheels on it, I must admit, bike thieves are quite happy to steal people's wheels, I can assure you. Ah, oh, yeah, fair point, fair point. Um, this is not really about bicycles, the Open Bike website no. says. This is about you and your attitudes towards the future. Do you think pollution of cities will disappear by itself? I, I tell you what, even... Uh, Regardless of um, anything else, um, I'm thinking maybe more about developing countries because yeah, modern, maybe modern bicycles are not cheap. Modern no, bicycles no, are not true. cheap. You know, a cheap bicycle will probably set you back a hundred odd quid, and you're talking about you know just some very basic you know cheap bicycle. Um, I'm just thinking in maybe in places like Africa or you know other developing countries where people you could people could be cutting these out and then they've only got to worry about the wheels. I mean, in theory, you could make the wheels yeah. out of wood if you want. Then you'd only need to have decent. It says. Uh, it says. It says. Is the open bike a novelty? Yes, but it also gets you thinking about how everyone can do their part to support the environment. It could be a fun project to make the bike, and it, if it rides well. Uh, you'd probably feel pretty good about yourself too. What if we all thought more about the environmental impact of our purchases all the way down to the energy used to fabricate their key components? Maybe we consider consider them more. Yes. It's a, a fair point. Because the, these ecological things, that reducing carbon is actually really hard. Yes, it um, is. I was I was chatting to my family a little, uh, a little earlier and... Um, I mentioned um, an article that I'd seen that was talking about um, JCB, who are looking to use green um, hydrogen, that is hydrogen that's been produced from renewable sources. Yes, rather than, um, what is it they call it? But I, which I thought was a good idea. The only trouble is the only place that does it at the moment is Australia. Mm. So they'd have to ship it from Australia, which doesn't sound so good. <laughs> Because bringing it over here is actually well, they put, they part put it of the in, problem. They could put it in big balloons and float it. <laughs> uh, I like that idea. Yeah, <laughs> on like sort of like a, te a tethered cable. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is. Yeah, it is hard once you start digging down. 
once you start digging down the carbon chain and you start thinking about manufacturing and it's really hard to be carbon net zero it's really hard it is very hard indeed you know this is the thing um i was it in the slack there was somebody posted a link about um might not have been in the, might have been in the slack might not have been about how green are electric cars really um yeah and they were actually calculating more than simply, oh, oh, right, well, electric vehicles are zero emissions, right? But what they were digging down to it was how much carbon per kilometre or 100 kilometres does it cost to run an electric car? Um, yeah. in, you know, including manufacturing costs and the electricity that you put into it. And, uh, and the, fact is, the fact is electric, once you do a proper comparison, electric cars still are a lot, lot better. Much better to ride a bike. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, what we need to do... I have been saying this for a long time, and I know, you know, it all sounds like tree-hugging hippie weirdness, but I've been saying for 20 years or more, what we need in cities is little electric one- or two-person sort of trikes or pod, pod cycle. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing would make a lot more sense than us driving, driving big cars. And don't get me wrong, I mean, I like driving my car, and I like well, having if, the convenience of it. You know, there's a lot of convenience, but, but but what there are other ways we could do it. Well, if you think about, I'm thinking a, a lot about like commuting. So that the the sort of things we talked about the other week, those sort of enclosed tricycles. Um, yeah. You know, or quadricycles. Yeah. Or quadricycles. Uh, you know, one to two person, fiberglass body, electric powered, go maybe 40 to 50 mile an hour, top end. If you're talking about commuting, there's an awful lot of people who commute, who basically get in a four to five seat car and then chug along in the traffic at 25 miles an hour for an hour. Yep. The vast majority, in fact. To yep. get to where they're going and then park their car and then, you know, all right, maybe less during the pandemic. But sure, I like driving my yeah. car. There's a great it's deal very, of convenience. True. But yeah. for a lot of things, why do we drive our car? Because I want to go to the supermarket and buy a bag full of shopping. And I don't want to walk or, you know, it's cold and wet or horrible. Yeah. Right. I would be equally happy to get in a sort of Heinkel bubble car electric type thing and poodle to the shop as long as there's room in the back to put, you know, two bags of shopping. Because why do you want to yeah. go in the car? Because you don't have to walk and you're protected from the weather and, you know, you can have the heater on in the winter. Well, that's, you could do that in a small electric yeah. the, buggy. And, and what are we doing? And what are we actually doing? We're building larger and larger electric cars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which no. seems the exact opposite of what we need. Yes. But there you, know, you go. We don't need honking um, great SUVs. Yeah. We need, you know, we need Citroen. We need more Citroen Amis and, you know, Carver tricycles and yeah, electric. Yeah, it's trying to per persuade people that that's the, the right way, though, isn't it? That's really hard. I understand. I understand why people want to hold on to their gas guzzling, whatever, I, because because it's what they're happy and comfortable with. It's so. going to be a generational shift, if you want my opinion. You yeah, know, my, I my think oldest, so. and I think old... it's 
my oldest is nearly 21. Uh, Ruth, you know, Ruth, cutie melon, she's 17. And my boy is coming up to 13. If we could, you know, if they can be persuaded that they don't need a five-seater, one-and-a-half-ton metal transportation device, yeah. but that a small fiberglass Citroen ME or smart car type thing that runs on electric is sufficient for most of their needs. That's going to be where the change is going to come. Sure, you know, if you want to drive from London to Glasgow, you're not going to want to do it in one of those. You're going, but you're going to go out and hire, I don't know, the equivalent of an Ionic or an EC4 or something like that. I think that's the way that, you know, that's where we need to be going. And I think those are the yeah. people we've got. Oh, to with, oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, even though most of us probably hate the idea. <laughs> and sadly, if we, if we want to save the planet, that, that really is the way we've got to be going. And uh, we might want to bury our heads in the sand, but uh, <laughs> we've got no choice, really. We've got no choice, you know, or, yeah. you know, or even, um, you know, half, you know, pedal powered half electric you know those things you used to get in in holiday parks when you was a kid it used to be like two bicycles bolted together yeah i know what you mean yeah yeah, yeah. imagine one of those but um rather more you know rather yes. more comfort fitted where you pedaled and also had you know electric assist what, what's wrong with that do us all and good, i, I know it? after i know yeah i know after the last couple of years we, we don't like being too close to one another but the fact is we've got to get we've got to improve our public transport as well and make that more accessible and easier to use if we if we want to go somewhere because that's the other way of getting any long of course distances it is. to is, is um, to actually share your journey with other people and the, the, the trouble is at the moment you've you've got a catch 22 situation you know i live in a fairly rural area and i have a relatively because i'm on a main route i have a relatively good bus service yeah but if you get away from the the trunk road here and out into the villages you're talking oh, about yeah. That's you know, one four a day bus, or two four a buses day. a day you know maybe um yeah. and if they're not at convenient times and they're not reliable and they're not particularly cheap but then you get the problem yeah. of, well so they I think, can't I think we'll all I think there'll always be a need for personal personal transport but hopefully we can make it as clean as possible yeah and also you know the the problem with public transport is there's a catch 22 there's not enough buses to lure people onto it in a lot of areas but there's yeah not there's not enough people to provide more service as no, it were there's not enough right. customers to provide more buses but there's not enough buses so you can't get enough customers it's you know chicken and egg <laughs> um yeah but in cities... Anyway, we're not going to solve... We're not going to solve, solve climate change. No, we're not. And, no, or world hunger here. or anything no. else on this podcast. We're not. Um, but that was the open bike. So, uh, Which as we'd like to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen to me and do what I say and everything will be fine. <laughs> yes. Oh, if only. If only. Um, Absolutely. So, exactly. So just to wrap it up with a, just a snippet... Um, Native Union celebrates, cel this was from a week ago, I think. Native Union celebrates iPod 20th anniversary with iPod sock inspired AirPod beanies. Um, which <laughs> actually, I don't know why they've called them beanies because the drawing of them, they look like iPod socks and you put your, drop your iPod case into it. Surely a beanie should go on the top part yeah. of it, like a hat. But anyway. I would have thought so. Yeah. It's an iPod sock to put your, uh, you know, it's an, 
iPod sock to put your AirPods case into as a little pouch. Um, so <laughs> it's not really a beanie at all, but it's a nice idea. That's quite it? fun. Just a fun yeah. little uh, and a little nod back to the to the you know, iPod socks of past. The iPod and, uh, socks of yesteryear. Yesteryear, indeed. Um, right. So before we go into the wrap up, Nick, a couple of things I want to uh, I want to say. The first is um, my local uh, mug, the Suffolk mug. Uh, their next meeting is Wednesday, the twenty fourth of November at, at seven thirty GMT. Okay, uh, where um, one of our members, which is Tony Bramley, who's a fellow of the Royal Society, uh, Royal Photography Society. Um, is going mm-hmm. to be ripping the lid off the Da Vinci Resolve application um, and showing how easy it is to use for, you know, non-professionals. Uh, this is a free piece of software. We talked about it before. You Have you played about with it? I think you said you had. I have, Vinci, yeah. Yeah, yeah Da Vinci cool. Resolve. Right. Um, it, you know, it's used by professionals, the paid-for version, that is, with, you know, has extra bells and whistles. And uh, I don't think it's cheap if you go to the full thing, but you can use it for free. And it's not particularly crippled. Yeah, they've got to make some money somewhere, haven't well, they? Well, of course they have, yes. <laughs> you know, but yeah. um, for personal use, you can download it for free and use most of the features. Um, anyway, as I say, well, Tony... Well, all of the features you're probably... All of the oh, features yeah. you're going to probably need that as, you're as an amateur. Yeah. As an amateur, yeah. yeah. And I think that include, includes things like the colour grading tools and all sorts of, you know, pretty pro features. Um, so, as I say, Tony Bramley, uh, who's a professional photographer and uh, fellow of the Royal Photographic Society, um, and is a, a nice chap and a very good speaker to boot, um, is going to be demonstrating this uh, at, the, at the Smug, which, of course, since the pandemic... Uh, are all online and uh if anyone is interested in a guest invitation to this uh presentation you will have to send your real name and email address uh to michael kwasniak who's the chairman of the suffolk mug on davinci suffolk at gmail.com and mention the essential apple and he will send you the details to get um you know a free guest invitation to that presentation um and that's the 24th cool. of November. I'll put all that in the show I notes. I might. Yep. I think I'll come along. I think that sounds good. Yes, it will be almost certainly be very, very good. Um, So I shall uh, put that all in the show notes, listeners, if you're interested. Um, you know, feel free to email Mike and show him how interested we all are. Um, And by the way, if you want to join the Suffolk Mac user group, which is no longer, you know, all that local. We've got uh, tie-ups with the Florida Naples Mac user group and uh, various other people. I know um, Windrider, also known as uh, Flash, the Incredible Flash on um, on Twitter, who's been on the show, uh, Pete Emery. Uh, he's become a member of the Suffolk Mac user group and he's, of course, in Queensland, Australia. So, um, because How are we they now... putting that out? So, and it goes over Zoom. It goes over Zoom. Um, All right. If you can't make it, um, if you can't make it live because yeah, you're in you know somewhere where it's a terrible thing, uh, email Mike and uh, ask him about getting a video of the presentation. There's a nominal fee for being served a video, um, about three pounds, I believe they charge, or they ask for a donation of a minimum of three pounds if you want the video. Oh, but you, fair enough. 
you would yeah. need to organize that with Mike up front because normally the videos are for members only. But I'm sure, you know, you said, right. I'd really like to watch this, but I'm in, uh, you know, I don't know, Venezuela and it'll be three it's, o'clock it's, in the morning or yeah, something. Yeah, two o'clock in the morning here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's more likely to be the other way around. And it's going to be, yeah, if you're, if you're Weihan, you know, if you're in Indonesia or Japan or somewhere. But yeah. whatever. If it's inconvenient, yeah. you could ask Mike about getting hold of the video. Um, so I shall mention this, not, not in such great length, but I shall mention this for the next two or three weeks to remind everybody. Um, but I think, you know, Da Vinci Resolve is a fabulous piece of kit. And um, I believe uh, Tony's going to talk about how he uses it for his YouTube channel, which is, you know, not its only use, but uh, practical information about how he uses it, not just a sort of theoretical presentation. Um, so there we go. And... Just before we finish up, um, Diwali is coming up, or if you're Hindu or Jain. Um, the Hindu New Year, which is Vikram, is on the 5th, I believe. Um, now, you remember the other day, Nick, I mentioned the birth of the Bahuala. Um, oh, who is yeah. The, yes, the sort of um, the chief of the Baha'i faith, their highest holy figure. Um, I believe I've misinformed last time because the calendar I use have moved it from where they said it was to the 12th of November. So, um, no. I'm sorry. Yes, it, it apparently, now I have to rely on the information I'm fed, obviously, but apparently the birth of the Baha'u'llah, I'm, I'm sure I'm mangling that every single time, I'm very sorry, is on the 12th. <laughs> the 12th of November and not whatever it was in October, which I mentioned. And the Jane New Year is on the 13th. So, you know, if you're a Hindu, Baha'i or Jain, uh, I hope you enjoy your festivities. There we go. Um, yeah, indeed. Indeed. You know, never say we're not inclusive on this show. Uh, and that's about it, I think, Nick. I think we've done, you know, plenty. So uh, we'll wrap up. Yeah. Um, as usual, tell people where you cannot be found. How I cannot be found. Oh, I've yeah, everywhere. Occasionally. <laughs> yeah. On on tw on Twitter, uh, I'm Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. Uh, I'm in the Slack room from time to time, so you can find me in there. Uh, a link from the show notes if you if you want to sign up. It's uh, it's free, folks. And uh, you can also find me occasionally over on Bots. Let's talk Apple. Yep. And you can, if you want to watch any religious stuff over on the uh, Erdington Methodist Church uh, website, then please uh, go on over there and uh, not on the website, YouTube channel. Yeah. yeah. Link um, in the show. And feel free to t tootle on over there. Yeah. Indeed. Um, and I, of course, am on Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Be warned, it's not all tech stuff, uh, you know, so watch out. Um, the show tweets as at Essential Apple, although I don't think there's very much goes out on that except for uh, notifications of, uh, you know, show releases. I'll be honest. Um, yeah. Uh, everything is over on uh, EssentialApple.com, of course. And uh, I'm in the Slack room, as uh, Nick said. We're all in the Slack room. You know, it's a pretty active Slack room. There's 60-odd of us in there. Um, plenty of chatter. We have lots little of channels. flurries, don't we? We have flurries. Yeah, we have we little have flurries. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Rob Wright has just posted a very amusing image of Greta Thunberg after one night in Glasgow, uh, where she's smoking a fag and carrying a bottle of uh, what appears to be um, tonic <laughs> tonic wine, I think. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> Fun, funny little Photoshop there. Uh, that, that, that very a photograph of Greta in a hat and coat, and he's uh, yeah, that's, that's amusing. 
Surprised that wasn't Jim, actually, but there we go. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, Jim was busy this afternoon. Um, if you follow us in the Slack, you, you will he's find directing that... traffic. He's probably directing traffic, isn't he? <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. After, you know, what with all the bridges out and roads flooded and trains yeah. down. Um, yeah, he probably is. I hope he brought a boat. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, Anyway, yes, uh, if you follow us in the Slack room, you will find that uh, not only is Jim an excellent street photographer and posts a lot of his work, uh, but he regularly gets uh, a featured photograph in the local uh, paper where he usually gets a good spread. Um, Yeah, we've all told him he should be on a retainer. They should be paying him instead of using his pictures for free. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, once or twice, you know. Recognition is one thing, but most magazines will bung you 25 quid or something. Anyway, there you go. That's a, I'm sure he's very proud to have his pictures featured. I'm sure um, he is. sure he is. So with that, I guess that's about it. So uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for all those of you who support us by retweeting and, and so on. Um, I actually did uh, an interview with Patrice for her foodie flashback. Uh, which will be posted at some point in the nearish future, I believe. Um, so if you want to hear me talking about food and memories of food and cooking and nothing to do with tech whatsoever, keep an eye out for that. And uh, with that, we'll say goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the cost of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcasts, and take a listen. Hi, I'm Bart Bouchotts, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie.
This has been the Essential Apple Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and we look forward to you joining us again another time. Until then, goodbye.